Hello friends, this is the AlphaList podcast. I am your host Toby. The goal of the AlphaList podcast is to empower CTOs with the info and insight they need to make the best decisions for their company. We do this by hosting top thought leaders and picking their brains for insights into technical leadership and tech trends. If you believe in the power of accumulated knowledge to accelerate growth, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Plus, if you're an experienced CTO, you will love the discussion happening in our Slack space where over 600 CTOs are sharing insights or visit one of our events. Just go to alphalist.com to apply. This podcast is proudly presented by Sastrify. Sastrify is the agile SaaS buying and management solution for progressive tech companies to help you to consolidate all SaaS procurement in a single platform and reduce your SaaS spendings in terms of time and money significantly. Sastrify's procurement experts negotiate with your SaaS vendors, such as Google, Miro, Asana, or Salesforce, to get the best possible price for existing and new contracts, as well as for upcoming renewals. My company, OMR, is a customer of Sastrify, and we were able to save a lot of time normally spent on SaaS negotiations and reduce our software spendings dramatically. They have a large base of satisfied customers, such as Gorillas, Runtastic, and Westwing. Their promise is savings guaranteed. Sastrify saves you more money than it costs. You can get a free analysis of your SaaS tools now. Just visit sastrify.com slash alphalist and benefit from a special 50% discount for Alphalist podcast listeners for the first three months. So... Welcome to the Alphalist Podcast. I am your host, Toby. And uh, today I am talking to a bus driving unicorn. It's uh, Daniel Kraus, the chief organizational plumber at Flixbus. Um, Daniel, um, very happy to have you here. Can you can you tell, tell us a bit more about your title? Sure thing, eh, Tobias uh, and, and uh, the Alpha folks. Uh, good to be here. Well, I mean, originally... CTO, CIO, whatever in the tech regards uh, uh, was written there, just did two things. First of all, um, it was not proper as we have a VP engineer, for instance, and formerly he's kind of the CTO. Um, and I do not want to steal titles uh, just because only the, the, the C-level itself, so the management board, um, in our case, uh, uses the C. And um, also... You know, I, I took responsibility for customer service for some time, even operations. In the meantime, um, I uh, I own HR, so people in organization. And uh, what I like as much as technology is working with people, working for people. So all that people topic. And that means you keep on making sure the company as an organization as kind of a system works. And in order to do so, well, you do nothing more than plumbing all day long. And I thought... Um, yes, eventually it's a little bit funny, but also it's actually what I'm doing in both tech regards as well as people regards. So uh, maybe we have one thing in common. So I once did like uh, one of those personality tests. I don't know how it, how it, was, called, it was called. And it, like, it, it uh, actually said that um, I am good in taking different roles um, in an organization. Is, would, would you say that this is also one of your strengths? or You know, it depends on the role. I don't think I would be a good finance officer. And um, if it's heavy related, 
to excellent PowerPoint and not the business itself, but, you know, those kind of business rules um, and tools, mainly uh, sheets and, 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 and docs and, and presentations. That's not what really drives me. I'm, I'm curious and therefore I'd agree with what you said, but I'm especially curious about technology and product and uh, even more about organizational topics and people itself. And if this is related, I don't care so much what the exact role looks like or is uh, is you know named for so i i would already have guessed that when i uh, read your subtitle on linkedin work hard and be nice to people right so you like working with people exactly that's what it is i, I even have a sweater <laughs> at some point in time uh, i'm not quite sure whether it was vista prince sweater or one of the others I designed my own sweater which exactly says work hard and be nice to people that's what it is okay um but you're also a nerd um, real nerds would say, well, not really. I mean, how nerdy can you be? Um, myself, I'd, I like nerds and I would consider myself as a nerd. I, I, I at least used to be a nerd. I mean, when I, when I started all that, I started very, very simple with some, alpha computers, monochrome displays uh, when I was five and, and started with Turbo Pascal and these kind of things, started to obviously assemble my own stuff and and and, 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 and uh, put computers together and, and programmed here and there. Um, after that, well, and after finishing school, I decided not to do real computer science because, you know, I don't know, math in school, it was kind of nice and um but not what i really what i really loved and apparently before i started studying um the computer science universities came back and said like hey do you want to take a math course uh, in the summer break and i'm like are you ridiculous i mean this is summer break so i rather uh, worked in the summer breaks and and took then um, business information systems in german uh, virtual informatic as as a major so something between you know, the business context and IT. And uh, therefore, I, I kind of lost a bit uh, the, the nerd gene, I think. After that, in the first jobs in the automotive industry, there was still a touch point with pure tech programming stuff. But that was only a bit of when I actually really, really did engineering. Later on, Microsoft was tech consulting. So this is blah, blah, you know, as always. And obviously, in the early days of uh, Flix, I had to program, but if you if you ask anybody in the organization, I think everybody is happy when I stopped doing that. And uh, eventually they're really looking back to my last commit and say like, God damn, finally it's out of the system. But is there still something alive in Flixbus that like some line of code that uh, you initially created? I don't think so. I mean, uh, my my... What I liked most was the configuration in these days, you'd call it DevOps, uh, site reliability engineering piece. So that was really what I uh, what I enjoyed most. And uh, back then, um, still everything was on Hetzner um, and not because I'm personally living in Nuremberg, just because it was the cheapest solution. Um, and I think all that kind of configuration stuff went away um, when we finally moved uh, into AWS. So I doubt that there is any line of code still living in the system. 
And you didn't like in AWS then introduce Kubernetes and uh, get yourself familiar familiar with 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 that or um, a little bit in terms of playing around, but uh, not you know in any mean of hey I I really you know must contribute on that level. I just don't think this is where I'm best. I think I'm a very good translator um, between the actual real nerds, all the people I admire, and many of them work in Flix Tech. And uh, all those business folks, you know, <laughs> uh, dealing with PowerPoint and, and, and Excel. Um, and uh, I think in order to do that well, you need to have a proper understanding and need to have the roots in the nerd world. Um, but you also have to admit where your strengths are. And, uh, you know, I just, I'll lose any play against a proper nerd in any, you know, in any dimension. So I, when I lose games, I better don't start them. Okay. Mm, can you maybe like elaborate a bit on buses? I mean, why do you do that? <laughs> In terms of how many excels? No, just joking. Um, funny. That's that's a coincidence, basically. Um, Andre and I, um, one of my two co-founders, uh, aside of Jochen, know each other forever. We went to school together, started playing volleyball together, and when I was uh, more of a nerd back then than uh, I am now, um, we both did an internship um, uh, close to Stuttgart. And uh, he was wondering like, hey, do you do all that programming stuff and, you know, uh, doing network configuration and all that, you know, shit for free? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like that. That's just cool. I like doing that. And he's like, okay, this is nuts. I make you an offer. Uh, you keep on doing what you do. I just increase the customer base and then... Uh, We, we just, uh, 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 we asked for, I think it was 80 euros an hour and then split. And I said like, yeah, I mean, why not? That's fine. If I can continue what I'm doing and uh, I get even something for that without taking care, we have a deal. So that was when we had our first um, uh, kind of IT company, um, which we sold, I think in 2007 or eight. And then, you know, uh, I started being uh, over in the US uh, in the meantime, also in China and then at Microsoft. And only when we kind of rejoined in Munich, we started thinking of, hey, why not restarting our entrepreneurial journey? Um, yes, Microsoft and Jochen Landry back then worked at BCG. Great. But it's kind of golden Ferris wheels. You're, you're trapped and other people tell you what to do. And in that investigation, we discovered lots of things. And it was just an accident that we ended up with buses because back then the former, uh, the former legislation um, uh, that was the, the Liberal Party and, and uh, the Conservative Party, they said they want to open up that bus market. I mean, back then we didn't have any Flix buses around here in Germany, while Greyhound obviously was already in place in the US as an example. And then um, uh, Germany started, uh, France followed, and the, the long-distance bus market uh, got uh, uh, deregulated. And Andrea just called uh, and said, hey, this market is huge. We just have uh, individual car traffic um, and, and uh, you know, the trains, Deutsche Bahn as means of transportation, no alternatives. In other markets, there's billion-dollar um, uh, markets in terms of long-distance bus markets. So... We start that and we bring whatever the 21st century tech software, a good lean customer face play together with uh, mid-sized bus operators. And that's what we're doing. And then I said like, yes, if I can do, uh, if I keep on, you know, doing what, what I like to do, pretty 
pretty same answer than back in 2005. I'm I'm all in. Um, so I didn't care too much. And um, what actually drove us are two things. First, the market itself. It's just transportation is a huge market, and there will be also in terms of megatrends quite some adjustments and, and, and changes. You know, just take autonomous driving as an example. Um, and we really were looking for something real. So yet another pure software play, uh, starting from software as a service, which is from a valuation point of view, good. But that is not what really appealed us. And, and not even talking about NFTs or metaverse, all cool stuff, but we wanted to have something real, something tangible. Um, and uh, therefore the buses fitted quite nicely um, what we were looking for. And then we started over. And um, like back then when you started as CTO, like how many like questions did you get from others? Like you do buses, right? Why, why do you need a CTO? <laughs> how often did that happen? Almost 100%. I mean, imagine the first tech conference I, you know, I started going mainly because of the talent, just to attract people. I mean, I came there and you started the conversation as you pointed out, Tobias, and then and people were like, hey, do you have vouchers? And like, I'm not here to, you know, give away vouchers. I'm here to attract you to join us. And like, yeah, you know, I know Flixbus, if you give me vouchers, I'm all cool. But what what the fuck should I do at Flix? I'm a data whatever magician. And it's like, you guys do buses. I'm like, yeah, not really. The, the way we do buses and the, the reason why we are able to offer what we offer is almost only uh, the underlying platform. And that took quite a, a while to explain it properly. So um, we at least earned some respect in the tech community. Um, and uh, so almost everybody asked exactly the question, why the fuck, what, what are you CTO for? And if you have watchers, all cool. Beside watchers, I don't need anything in Flixbase. So uh, what, what do you do and like apart from issuing vouchers then in your tech stack? <laughs> <laughs> well, issuing vouchers is also a service, by the way, independently. Um, and there are many more. I mean, in the meantime, we have a, a, a pretty decentralized and decoupled system. So I'm not, I don't like microservices too much. I think the micro is uh, debatable, but we have independent services. Um, we, over time, just decoupled our monolith um, and used, uh, for now, self-contained systems. If we if uh, uh, we build new services, it, it starts even more independent from tip to toe. So, um, uh, you know, from a composite UI perspective on top until uh, uh, an individual database on the bottom. And uh, um, people can eventually decide what technology they use uh, if... You know, there's a handful of them, um, you know, just checking off if we talk about languages. Still, mainly it's uh, PHP, Java, a little bit Scala, obviously Python in place. And from an architectural point of view, uh, I pointed out already, we are almost only on AWS, a little bit Azure. And wherever the interfaces in the Microsoft world is, uh, Power PI from a dashboarding perspective, we use, we, we use them, some Azure components. Um And uh, in between, uh, you pointed out earlier, we started to use Kubernetes quite early. And I think the Kubernetes de decision, I supported. I didn't take. That was our former VP engineer. Um, that was one of the key elements which, which really um, helped us to scale across uh, more almost 40 countries in the entire globe because Kubernetes and uh, the dockerization on top of that This is this is 
you know, secret source. It's not a secret how that works, but this is really what, what accelerated us from a, from a product and tech perspective and really gave us the power to, to individualize uh, services, product components, and, 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 and have uh, a certain level of freedom within the teams to really as fast as possible move on what the customer needs are. Um, from a data point, uh, database point of view, there's uh, still quite some uh, SQL regional database stuff, MySQL, for instance. Um, we trialed here and there graph databases, Neo4j, for instance, because the search um, is relatively interesting from a graph point of view. But at the end, it was always uh, faster yet, um, um, faster and more cost efficient to stay with uh, rational um, compared to graph databases. Um, what else? We have some, you know, some kind of offloaded components in the buses um, as we offer Wi-Fi, and we obviously also have to have a certain connection to understand where the buses are and if they're punctual and all these kind of uh, things. We we started looking into, you know, if you would be an investor, I'd obviously say AI. At the end, it's certain and blockchain. Keys, uh, <laughs> no, no, blockchain, not, uh, but yeah, uh, NFTs, you know, with AI coupled, whatever. Um, uh, so whatever is during the valuation. Choking uh, aside, so some machine learning components to uh, so pricing algorithms to really uh, look into um, uh, demand and pricing and, and capacity management on the one hand. Um, some some linear um, uh, optimization algorithms in terms of the schedule planning. Um, then some NLP in terms of, you know, the Alexa components and, and, and voice processing to make sure we don't have to offer in each and any language a human to, to interact, for instance, with our drivers. That's just not scalable. So some, some in the broader way, AI components, even though I hate the, the just AI thingy. Um, and what else? I don't know. I mean... Um, that's the rest is pretty straightforward. We we wrapped all the DevOps pieces in our foundation domain and, and call that FlixOS. So each uh, each product team really can start working on an actual you know product code without dealing um, uh, with all the underlying uh, stuff. Um, we um, we leverage AWS organizations, so we have also full accountability and not only um, telling the teams, hey, I really you know, you build and run the system and, and you know, but also um, they now have the transparency and the accountability, how much cost they produce in AWS. Um, so they, by themselves, really start looking into, you know, optimization of spot instances and these kind of shit and not just running the big machines 24-7. And then it doesn't make sense whether you have a data center or um, being on AWS. Um, we... Uh, almost entirely got rid of uh, uh, Rabbit as a messaging system and, and mainly um, moved into the world of Kafka for different reasons because it's just, it's a little bit more scalable. Um, you have more options in terms of um, uh, how you connect uh, services um, uh, more asynchronous, but there's also quite some uh, pops up stuff still going on. And in the meantime, we went over and also tried to leverage embedded AWS services. So AKS uh, as a Kafka example, and not only just installing everything of, uh, on top of EC2. Um, but nevertheless, if you look into uh, what we use as a data lake, that's pretty simple and straightforward S3, just to dump stuff. And on top of that, um, we, uh, we really had to 
pull quite some uh, things together because that was random um, and then decided uh, into uh, to go to go with snowflake two years three years ago I think one of the first larger customers of them in in Germany and yeah so that's broadly so uh, you know across <laughs> Uh, uh, the entire small fixed tech universe. Uh, what what uh, what we look at if we uh, talk about our tech stack? And uh, what do you what would you say is your your secret sauce in in the tech stack? Like, what is the very special thing that no one can ever copy? Is it the sheer complexity of the overall thing, or is it is there like one particular piece where you say this is this is our masterpiece? I think if you look at to the foundation, uh, simplified spoken, how we really implemented uh, Kubernetes and, and, and Dockerization, and what I what I mentioned as FixOS, that is the level of automation, and and which gives the freedom to the teams to really look into where the actual value of certain you know product lies. That is masterpiece that's something i'm really proud of obviously i'm also proud of uh, uh, all of the individual products the teams came up with and that's totally independent whether it's just the app um which is uh, as good as, uh, as some pricing algorithm but um as the foundation is important because that independently of each product gives gives the teams that kind of freedom they need in order to be super fast i think that could be our secret source so your secret sauce is then the fact that you embrace autonomy. From an organizational point of view, um, I'd clearly say yes. Um, maybe because I'm such a, a bad engineer um, or because I really like to to jointly work on prospering organizations and, and make sure people work well together and um, that to me only can work in a high level of autonomy. And therefore um, that's how the organization is built. Um, you know, almost no hierarchy. Uh, it's really uh, totally independent um, and autonomous teams, um, which, you know, just have to sign off to some underlying governance rules, um, but very, very rare. And the rest, they do whatever is needed to satisfy their stakeholders and ultimately the customers. And uh, I just see myself as, not only the chief organizational plumber, but also uh, the one who is always on for sparring thoughts to support them and to make sure there is nothing in their in their ways. And that's, I mean, that works. This podcast is proudly presented by DZ. DZ is a UK-based development marketplace. They help CTOs struggling to deliver on their vision and roadmap by combining core in-house development teams with pre-vetted nearshore devs to flexibly augment their teams, allowing for more in-house delivery. DZ ensures the right fit, intelligently matching from thousands of potential developers. Developer shortage is making the recruitment and retaining of devs even more difficult and expensive. DZ provides an alternative for CTOs with developers screened for tech knowledge, culture and comms and a UK-based oversight team with decades of experience overseeing each project to ensure smooth delivery. Hiring is fast via DZ delivery platform, kicking off projects in as little as two weeks. They offer a 10% discount for our listeners for the first three hires using the code EASYDEV2022 on DZ.com. 
Our beloved sponsor, the Google Cloud, is calling all those shaping the future, building the next generation of applications in the cloud and looking to grow fast. Join the Google Cloud experts at the digital event Scale-Up Spotlights. Speakers, including Kielsey Hightower and Luck Lakshmanen, will be sharing can't-miss updates for tech leaders on the brink or on the throes of scaling up. Come be inspired and learn about the latest from Google Cloud and how their customers are deploying serverlessly, automating and turning to managed services to drive innovation without worrying about or dedicating excessive time to managing underlying infrastructure. Following the presentations, ask your toughest technical and strategic questions to the world's biggest and best Google Cloud experts. Check out the agenda and register today. The event will take place on March 30 at 10.30 Berlin time. To register, just visit g.co slash scaleupspotlight. Okay. Um, and how did you get into that? I mean, where did you where did you see that this could kind of be working mm -hmm. couple, working model? Uh, couple couple thoughts. So first of all, we started as anybody starts. Uh, you want in the beginning, also from a tech perspective, be as fast as possible. So, um, uh, time to to deliver. You know, um, time to really be at the spot where the revenues and the customers are. That's important. It's not that important that you have the prettiest architecture and super services and you know uh, service contracts and SLAs. It's just get that shit working better done than perfect. And uh, what happens? Well, you end up in a monolithic structure, which is fair until some point. Um, and uh, we hit that point and we we got slow. And in order to 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 decouple that, we had a bunch of initiatives in, in certain projects and it, it just didn't work. And at the end, um, I figured that uh, you could reverse Conway's law, which says um, your... your um, Your piece of software kind of always looks like the organization. And that means I knew with, uh, after a couple of discussions with our brightest uh, and smartest techies, I knew how the software is supposed to look to cope with the challenges ahead of us, um, but it didn't work to get there. And then uh, I just uh, you know, changed the organization with the, the belief that it will, you know, sort it out itself. And we had obviously a couple of external coaches. I talked to the Spotify folks, uh, looked at Salando back then, Palantir and, and some others who were a little bit ahead of us. And um, initially what we did is we put all the back then 100 techies together in, in one room and did some game and, and sorted out how the new products could look like eventually in a distributed kind of independent way. Um, and and where the techies really wanted to go. So that was, we call that team self-design event. The funny piece of the story is we had an external coach who suggested that. And I said like, awesome, let's do that. And after it worked, well, he said like, hey, Daniel, did I ever mention there was no other company I know who did that exercise with more than three teams, maybe four, and not the entire tech org at once? I'm just saying because of business continuity and stuff and like, you're a smart ma ass mother because obviously if you would have told me before, maybe, um, yeah, maybe I uh, had taken different approach. And so I just, I just, we did that overnight. And, uh, and then that independent journey started and uh, we are continuously moving back. We called that the Flix journey or Flix tech 1.0 back then. In the meantime, we're at Flix tech 
2.0 because we scaled that. So we have now more than, I don't know, way more than 40, uh, 40 product teams. And we clustered them into domains from a domain-driven design approach. And the domains are very much mirroring uh, our business. So there's a finance domain, there's a marketing domain, there's a revenue slash pricing domain, there's a network planning domain, blah, 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 blah. And if those uh, domains are larger, uh, uh, containing more than whatever, let it be two, three teams, but eventually even uh, seven, six, uh, eight teams, then, you know, some super senior folks um, craft a domain leadership team and we have some domain CTOs and domain uh, product owners. And that level uh, is what we call FlixTech 2.0. Um, that was something we introduced after that uh, team self-design event where we started the journey, the decoupling itself. Is that then also a hierarchy or? It depends. Functionally spoken, I'd say Yes. Because um, um, you have to have a certain seniority level to really become, for instance, a domain technology officer. Um, dissimilarly spoken, it's decoupled. We really look into, um, you know, having decoupled, uh, decoupled career paths, um, you know, where you can really start earning seniority and also get some of those um, exposed roles as an individual contributor, or you can decide uh, to become, for instance, just a disciplinary leader, an engineering manager, people engineering manager, or domain lead. And that's uh, that's a sidetrack decoupled. They just own the entire organism and make sure it prospers, it works, kind of like I do. Um, but they don't have the last call and tech decisions. That's what, you know, for instance, our uh, domain technology officers have. And there's a bunch of them. Those are the most senior folks. I don't six, seven, or eight, and they, together with the VP engineering, they make the calls. They just write down the rules um, uh, uh, our teams have to uh, have to apply. Um, and um, the, the disciplinary folks and I, we just make sure um, the organism has everything so it's not nurtured properly, like our, like our both little kids. Interesting. And, like, how autonomous are the teams then? I mean, um, you, you mentioned written rules. Uh, do the teams also are the teams also able to influence them or yeah yeah so um, that's basically um, you know one organization one domain has certain needs and um, you know the rules are pretty simple when we look back into the language topic it's only it's only important that there is just one more than one guy or girl being capable of, you know, uh, one language. So, because obviously if you don't really look into microservices per definition um, and you have just someone, uh, you have a bus vector and therefore it's three, four five people or entire team. And then they can up, can come up with a new language. This is how Scala, for instance, in the revenue management got introduced these kind of rules. Um, and, um, and uh, that's, that's how, how, how it works. And then there is, um, kind of request for changes. Uh, we call them, I think, uh, Flix improvement something with like all fancy variations. I'm just, I got lost. And then, and then um, you know, those uh, domain technology officers come together and decide. And obviously um, uh, each techie is represented by one and that's a role. So it's not necessarily democratically elected, but um, uh, you volunteer. And if you're not uh, well-respected, you just, you know, it doesn't work. So 
there is nobody but the teams represented by seniority to really suggest the rules. And at the end, those domain technologies officers and the VP engineering just come together and say, like, this is um, how it looks like. And then there is, you know, you can basically any time uh, call for an update. So would you call it um, autonomous teams or empowered teams? Who? Um, good question. It depends on how you define autonomy. I mean, it's not that they can 100% just randomly do what they want. Besides uh, uh, what we technically just discussed, there's obviously also um, a budget constraint. And last but not least, there is uh, the stakeholder and ultimately the customer constraint. So it's like um, it has to it has to be crystal clear that we are a transportation platform um, coping with our vision to bring green and smart mobility for everyone to experience the world. And that means if there is no FlixLabs or Hacker Day in their domain, um, I encourage our teams or if you are like pinpointed, they just must deal with that kind of environment and, and eventually cannot come up and say, like, hey, we've come up with a new baking AI automate comes up with the best baked rolls in the hemisphere. Nice. But um, outside of Flix Labs, I'm afraid that will come to life within the Flix universe. Okay. Good. So um, you care about the customer. <laughs> well, I mean, that's... at the end, that's uh, the one who decides whether the company is continuously growing and prospering or not. And if they want baked rolls? <laughs> then I come back to the fixed lab uh, idea in terms of the super AI baking automate, and then uh, it comes to life anyhow. Well, okay, okay. Um, how do you do, I mean, I can't imagine like with... Um... Like really moving buses, you have kind of very long cycles um, in terms of like from 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 testing something or from like the idea to like seeing it live. Um, What do you think? How so? do you do? Well, I, I mean, we don't we that, don't produce buses, right? So it's like uh, you don't produce buses, yeah. But you you I mean, you obviously need to do all the tour planning and everything involved. So and you need to move real things. So I think it 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 seems to be like something where you are potentially like a bit slower, not in terms of rolling out your app, but until like I don't know, you have the idea for trains and then. Yeah, okay. Certain yeah, trains, trains is a prime example. So for buses, we could, um, uh, you know, change anything within let it be twenty four hours, um, uh, which is uh, uh, quite important if you run into a pandemic accidentally. Yeah. Um, and in terms of releases, you know, that we have, we have CI/CD, so that works continuously, um, almost on a on a daily basis, I'd set across average. Um, but we don't use that if we do not have to, you know, coming back to the schedules, people want to have reliable schedules. They want to really understand when a certain bus comes at your stop. So that means we, at the end, um, in, 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 in standard environments, um, don't change schedules too often. There's a winter schedule, there's summer schedule and some adjustments. And it's also, Uh, one of the more challenging things in terms of 
linear optimize because there's so much regulatory attached to that, which you have to cope first. So you can not only let the algorithm do, um, because many of the suggestions coming out of the machine are not coming to life because regulatory just says no. Um, and obviously it's also not the same regulatory, uh, independent of the country and the city. So it's just a regulatory mess. I mean, we're happy that they opened up and deregulated. That was the starting point. Without that, um, Flixbus would not would not be here, but it's still heavy regulated. So, um, and therefore that's more, that's the actual downer or, or, or slowing effect rather than having actual assets. They don't, you know, they're not as painful as the regulatory. Okay, so so sometimes you even have to use the fax machine still, right? That's like, no kidding. That's what it is. I mean, we mimic fax machines here and there, and you can obviously, you know, uh, do that on a software uh, uh, level. But the receiving end is literally here and there an actual fax machine. And that's no choking. I can imagine. Um, like a few days ago, did you see that um, that posting of someone who did an open source tool to actually uh, mimic a printed out signed PDF? <laughs> I can imagine you know, that this is like similar in your space, right? It's wherever you really have uh, to deal with the old world, regulatory um, ad administration and stuff, sometimes it's it's really a value to understand their processes and mimic them properly um, because that really gives you an acceleration. I mean, people, and, and that's an anecdote though, People, uh, uh, some people I hear have a trustworthiness challenge with the mRNA vaccinations because it was that fast and woo, I mean, how can that be proven? The acceleration of most of those processes were not that they skipped steps. It's just they really forced, uh, in the US, for instance, the administration to work 24-7 and are always on to answer their questions and get back and forth and not necessarily wait for a, a written mimic printed out email to get answered throughout certain administration processes three weeks later, but actually use these fucking three weeks to continue um, uh, to continue R and D on the vaccinations. So it's not so much on the company's side, but the, quite some acceleration happened in these kind of in these kind of um, R and D processes on the administration side, and they just eventually sterilizing processes and so yeah. on. Yeah, obviously, that's, that's, and yeah, and that's true for us as well because uh, transportation still is heavily heavily regulated. Okay, but you're pushing heavy against that, uh, I guess. I assume. <laughs> um, we we push as heavy as you can push to not break it, um, because you still want to be not necessarily a nice guy, but a well accepted guy. Because if you over push, you just get a no, independent of fax machines or printed out mimics. And no, for us means, you know, there's certain processes. If we apply for a new track um, that could be accelerated to whatever, 24 hours, don't know. Um, but there's currently a, a process with which said, says um, it's okay that it takes four, six, even eight weeks. I don't know the exact number. So if you continuously work together jointly with uh, the regular uh, regulators, that you end up at the first step in five days, that's fine. Maybe I have an idea to really come down to two hours. If I push that in, I eventually will wait those eight weeks. They can let me wait. So, um, you know, 
uh, doing it just the Zuckerberg way, move fast and break things, is not what works well with uh, the officials and the regulators. I think even for Zuckerberg, it sometimes stops working, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I read as well. <laughs> so... Um, One thing I, I, I like we briefly touched, um, like how big is your your tech org now? So you said 40 teams, like is it 300 people or more? Yeah, or? approximately. It's like, I'd say 270 something. Um, that's kind of like um, uh, what it what it would be, including not only the, the pure engineers uh, at any kind, but also the product folks. Okay. And how did you bring it to that level like making buses sexy i mean how did you how did you do that for engineers i mean <laughs> you uh, must this, be attractive uh, as as a company you know a the rollback in terms of uh, empowerment and autonomy what we touched earlier b s some underlying things uh, we even uh, quickly touched base earlier in terms of you know leveraging cool new technology with that empowerment and the autonomy to 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 make the company better and to to serve our customers with you know pricing optimization bidding engines and these kind of things which you would not look into uh, from the outside or you know looking to new data database uh, technology like graph databases these kind of things um and you know you must admit we in good times you know eventually serve hundreds of million people annually and we do that from the syrian border uh, in turkey uh, to uh, vegas la in in the us um and in brazil we do that not only um, in buses but also in trains which comes with other cool new stuff for instance automated check-in with uh, some you know uh, picture and image uh, recognition stuff so it's it's smarter than what our um, our competitor offers uh, where you have a, have to have a seat on a certain uh, a butt on a certain seat um and um and also from you know uh, just a pure sla facts this is Across the time zones, it's just 24-7. That stuff has to work. It's not like, hoops, um, e-commerce side is down and eventually, you know, it's a stock-keeping unit and you order the shoes one hour later. That's not how it works if you have parachutable goods running 24-7. And that's obviously something which is, I think, uh, interesting for techies because it's just an enterprise kind of system. But... Techies have to know, right? <laughs> Techies have to know. That's true. That's the reason we talk, not only, but also um, why myself and especially also VP Engineering, our domain technology officers go to conferences, really partner up also with, um, you know, AWS itself. Uh, uh, some some folks um, started talking uh, uh, with Google around Kubernetes and things like that. So I try to really encourage our folks to not uh, just do the nurture in the basement, but uh, go out and tell the great stuff they're doing. So you do a lot of employer branding to attract people then? Not enough, obviously, yet, but we're uh, we're trying and increasing. Okay, okay. Um, you mentioned you're not like a pure nerd anymore. You wouldn't consider yourself a nerd anymore, but I, I know those moments when you discover something new, uh, which is like technical maybe a tool 
Um, and you just like have glossy eyes and uh, just want to want to tell everyone about it. What was your recent, like, was there a recent discovery where you said, okay, this is possible. Okay, that's crazy. Uh, would have discovered it way earlier. Uh, was there anything you discovered the, the, recently? The fun, the, fun, the fun fact is, and I think quite some of uh, uh, my senior techies hate me for that. Um, uh, Jochen and Ray and myself, we also uh, invest here and there and just uh, try to support the ecosystem. And there I have the chance to look uh, into some uh, cool new companies and then I, I, I eventually drop them into FlixTech and say, like, hey, is that just me liking that and finding it cool or is it just actually cool? Um, and the last uh, the last uh, tool I'm, I'm hoping for a proof of concept within FlixTech because I was really impressed is called Lutix. Super complicated. L-Epsilon-T-I-C-S. Um, and uh, it's some, you know, it's... Kind of like um, Click or, or Tableau 2.0, more integrated um, and and um, and really easy to use um, with an actual result of uh, uh, you know meaningful data, um, uh, and uh, that's something. If you are really large at some point in time, with all that distributed kind of product teams and therefore distributed uh, certain pieces of data. Um, that's that's uh, really powerful and eventually is a good a good add-on um, uh, on top of our of our um, snowflake. So uh, Lytics, let's uh, let's see uh, if uh, if I'm just surprised because that really appealed me and the founders did a great job, or if uh, uh, the Flix the Flix tech nerds sign it off and then it's Flix tech approved and not only Daniel finds it cool kind of approved. Only Daniel approved. Okay. Yeah. Um any like crazy recent learning you want to share with everyone you you went through like um tech related, not tech related, people related potentially? A recent learning which is something we all know from the early days of but it recently really popped up. On the people level, no compromises. From a product and tech perspective, compromise is fair. You can try out, you can iterate. On a people level, no compromises. If it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. And then just don't even try. Um, and that's uh, as true for techies as for anybody else. And for techies, it's particularly because there's that ongoing decision, do I look for someone who's the most awesome techie? Um, and it's okay if he or she's a little weird from an interpersonal interaction kind of level, or if it's okay, if it's only 90% the greatest techie alive, um, but 100% cool to work with having a beer together. And it must be the second. Because as long as everything we do is a team effort, and um, at least for Flix, it is the case, this is just beating the, the, the highest edge of technical expertise. Um, and, um, and yeah, so it just recently, like days ago, really popped again into my mind because I eventually accepted a compromise where I knew in advance that'll end and it ended. Okay. So focus on team and cut cords early, you would say, and right? Very, very early. Yeah. I, I accept that <laughs> and can, can feel the pain with you. Um, so, um, then I still have like a, 
as a, as a closing question, um, still have a little surprise for you. So um, your your co-founder, Andre, he actually recommended me that there's, or told me that there's like a an unreleased staging version of, of uh, your, your Flixbus app, um, which has like a hidden Easter egg in the time picker. Um, and in the time picker, you can actually like pick a time from the, Uh, from the past, and then you just you just go there. You just immediately travel there, and <clears throat> we're now traveling to the to the year 2010 when you were just working as like a tum, a technical account manager at Microsoft. And we now observe yourself for a while. You had like little less gray gray hair in, the, in your oh, beard yeah. and and stuff like that. Um, and uh, you now have the chance to whisper something into into your young self's ears. What what would it be? Follow, follow your gut and, and start the journey. I think beside minor decisions here and there, and that's okay, there's nothing I, I regret. It was just the right decision to, to co-found a company. And, um, and back then, because you're mentioning Microsoft, I would be lying if uh, I would not have been hesitating and questioning, you know, it's a great job and it's a cool company. Um, but ultimately, um, I got notched, I notched myself eventually, even it's because of some of my weaker areas. Um, I have a hard one to say no. Maybe I just said yes, because I, I wasn't able to say no to Andre. At the end, I, I've somehow followed my gut and, and, um, and it was totally right. So, um, yeah, basically that's, maybe it was the secret, the secret voice Toby and I today whispered back to 2010. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it was us. <laughs> so, Daniel, thanks a lot for being my guest um, and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Louis, thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the AlphaList podcast. If you like this episode, share it with friends. I'm sure they'll love it too. Make sure to subscribe so you can hear deep insights into technical leadership and technology trends as they become available. Also, please tell us if there is a topic you would like to hear more about or a technical leader whose brain you would like us to pick. AlphaList is all about helping CTOs getting access to the insights they need to make the best decisions for their company. Please send us suggestions to cto at alphalist.com. Send me a message on LinkedIn or Twitter. After all, the more knowledge we bring to CTOs, the more growth we see in tech. Or, as we say in AlphaList, accumulated knowledge to accelerate growth. See you in the next episode.